Welcome to episode 127 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And I just, I just had to turn the air conditioner off and I'm kind of sad about it. Hey, you know, <laughs> it's we, a short episode as we always say. That's true. Say. We only have one episode of Zeta this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a whole bunch of news to talk about. We'll, we'll, we'll attempt to keep it light and still end up clocking in somewhere around an hour and 25 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but no, we, we will make it through this morning, but actually very, uh, convenient timing that we're happy to recording now. A pretty exciting piece of news came out that I think we're going to save to the end because I think it's the most exciting thing we have to oh, talk okay. about. Yeah. You know, it's the but first I, time we're like, like the we, closest we, we, to <laughs> releasing like, the news, even though this is going to come out two, two days, days from now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Breaking news happens and we can talk about it right as it happens and everyone can hear about it two days from now. Exactly. But uh, let's say that to the end. I think that's the the most exciting thing that's coming out. Um, but I mean, some other little little bits of news here before we get into our, our one Zeta and then mm-hmm. uh, discussion about the long Halloween. Finally, yeah, finally. Um, so we saw this week that Ava DuVernay has confirmed that Darkseid and the Furies will be part of the New Gods movie. Mm-hmm. Which I think we all kind of expected that. I mean, the Furies are kind of new. I don't think I was expecting really? them. I mean, who who do you think he was going to surround himself with? Doesn't he's he got, so he's got, he's got dark side, Calabac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're not going to have Steppenwolf back at this you don't point. Think so? Don't think so. No. Uh, Granny. Uh, uh, Granny Goodness, who's the leader of the Furies. Yeah, that's true. Fair. Uh, Desaad, um, oh, who's uh, Brock? No, no, no. Manheim was the gangster that was involved in the dark side stuff. I'm trying to remember right. the name of the, the guy who shows up and has all the tech. I can't remember. I can't remember either. Um, but I mean, it's it's not just Apocalypse and Darkseid. It's the new gods. So mm-hmm. one presumes we're going to get High Father, Orion, um, the Forager. Right? Isn't the Forager the guy who's also in Young Justice? Uh, I, I think it's two different characters. Because Forager and Young Justice is like a worker for the new gods. No, that's the, that's oh, the, is that the same one? Yeah, because that character also appeared in Justice League or Justice League Unlimited when they go to the new gods. Okay. When they go to New Genesis. He's great. I love him in... Young Justice. So uh, Young Justice. They just introduced um, a new character in Young Justice. Uh, I, I don't remember his name right now, but he is the creator of the father boxes and mother boxes. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's kind of this like god above the gods, oh. living in kind of his own plane. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and he was super. Let me see if I can find his name. I haven't watched any of the new the the new episodes yet. The second half of the the new season. I need to get on that. Yeah, it, it was literally the episode that, that just came out. Okay. Um, yeah, because there's there's still like ten episodes left. Is it really? <laughs> or maybe 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 closer to seven. Okay. But yeah, there's still the last episode is gonna be a three parter. Oh wow. Yeah, so it's all gonna be over, or this season's gonna be over by the end of August. Okay. All right, I'll catch up. I'll catch up as fast as I possibly I mean, can. There, there's no rush. But, you know, I I I don't want things spoiled for me. I think I had I think I had one thing already spoiled for me, but I I won't get into it here. Okay. Um, no, I mean, look, I'm I'm excited about this movie. Obviously, I like Ava DuVernay. I am almost Metron. Sorry, that's Metron. His name. Okay. And his yeah, he's uh, on his Mobius chair. So the Mobius chair is kind of the is what gives life and soul to the father box and mother boxes. Was that the thing that? Batman was sitting on at one point when he was like imbued with the I power so. of the new gods. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know what was going on with that. I just remember, yeah, that one comic panel. Yeah, because he like asked about the true identity of the Joker and he was confused. Yeah. Which is probably them setting up the three Joker thing, right? Because isn't that 
Isn't that actual comic coming pretty soon? I thought it already happened. Did it already happen? I think so. I thought that was before the series where Batman has like an infinite version of an infinite number of himself and they're all evil. Oh, metal? Yeah. I thought it was before that. I thought it was coming down the pipeline here. No, because we talked about that. We talked about that years theory. ago. No, we talked about that theory. Yeah, we talked. That was in our first like twenty episodes. We talked about that. Yeah, theory. but I think the actual comic. Here we go. March two thousand nineteen. Three Jokers not being released anytime soon. Oh well, I was wrong. The Seven Jokers. Um, if they do Seven Jokers, they have to do it as a western, and it has to be them as the Magnificent Seven. <laughs> I'm so down. Yes, I would absolutely read that. Uh, yeah, so it's Jeff Johns and Jason Fabuk. Fabuk? Fabok. I don't know. Oh, it's part of the Black Label. What? The Black Label is the same one that did the, the Batman deck. Oh, it's the... We're like gonna, the, like we're the gonna, more mature... Yeah. That means we're going to get three Joker dicks. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all on one Joker. I mean, do you think they're all going to be the same kind of dicks? Like all circumcised, all uncircumcised? A little bit different here and there? No. No, no. One... Well, One's I mean, definitely going to be, like, deformed. <laughs> he's, we- he's wearing the skin of someone else's dick. Oh, no, right. no. We're going to change conversation topics. <laughs> you crossed a line, Chris. <laughs> what, what, I was, what I was saying before I, I went down that dick tangent. That dick hole? The dick hole, exactly. Mm. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> was uh no i mean I, i'm excited for the new gods movie like i don't know much about those characters which i think is part of the reason i'm excited about it yeah like, same. I, don't, I don't have that pre-existing investment and also ava duvernay fantastic filmmaker i'm almost done with when they see us i have one episode left have you watched that i have not it's intense do you know what's about that the netflix one yeah it's the netflix one about what the the five teenagers who have been dubbed the central park five. Oh, that's right yeah and it's it's really kind of diving into the the truth of that whole situation and like i mean it's obviously so so good the performances are amazing but man my god is it really intense and i've heard the last episode is the best but also the most intense and i just i haven't been emotionally prepared for that yeah but i do i do want to finish it because i've heard it's really really good um but no excited for that yeah, I, I do, okay. Yeah, yeah, me too. As am I, Chris. <laughs> it's a conversation, Cameron. I'm not just talking at you. Oh, I forget sometimes. Uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. So uh, Robert Richardson, who was hired to do cinematography when it was going to be Ben Affleck's version of the Batman, mm-hmm. uh, heavily alluded this week that the movie would have been set inside Arkham, or at least part of it would have been set inside Arkham. Which is something we still haven't really done yet. Like, which is so weird because I feel like that's with with major films that we've had, like The Raid, in that style. I feel like you can definitely do something awesome with that. No, I, I think you can because we we got a brief hint of it at the end of Batman Forever. There's obviously the sequence where Mister Freeze breaks out of I Arkham. And Batman. Yes, exactly. I love that moment. <laughs> Uh, you know, and then there was that whole sequence set inside of it in uh, Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. But even with Batman Begins, it was a more grounded approach to Arkham. Whereas you get the impression that this would have been more kind of like Arkham Asylum, the game. Right. Where it's like, it's really gothic and creepy and almost like oozing just evil and weirdness. And there's a potential to run into like all the different kind of villains stashed away in there. And for all we know, we might get something similar with the new version of the Batman with Matt Reeves. Mm-hmm. Um 
apropos of our later conversation, there's some rumors that it might involve uh, the long Halloween might be adapting some elements of that, which could be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a comic series? It's a Netflix miniseries, actually. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. When's it coming out? Halloween. Oh, right. That makes sense. Yeah. But it's like an eight-week-long thing. It's going to like stretch out for a long, long time, well oh, okay. past Halloween. That's fine. It's the only show they've ever not just dumped at once. They're just going to eke guess, it out yeah, one episode Netflix at a time. Netflix never has done weekly. No, they always put it out all in one chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I think I still would love to see that on screen, because you're right. Like, Imagine a version of like The Raid or yeah, Dread, but with Batman. And it would make so much sense... For Batman to just not talk the whole time. Like you can make it a, a near silent Batman. I don't think they could go quite that far. I think I think if you were to do like an animated version of that, maybe mm-hmm. that could possibly work, or like a short. I think if you're doing a feature length film, obviously you've got to like get Batman dialogue. Oh well, yeah, he'll have some dialogue, but I feel like the main focus will be on the villains. It could be, yeah. Which I, is kind of what we talked about at the end of Betos, is the villains were the stars of that show. At that point, yeah. And Batman just kind of showed up because was there was wasn't there an animated series episode where he barely talks at all it's mostly from the villain's perspective i mean there's uh, there's I mean, most of them there's almost got him yeah but i mean obviously he he talks during the little vignettes but i feel like there was another one there's the one that we always made fun of where he like took the appearance of a mob boss uh but the mob boss was like a foot taller than him and wider uh, oh, the and Cape like, and he, Cow conspiracy? I think that's the one. Yeah. Where like he hires the guy to like kill Batman and capture the cowl and it's all uh, a setup. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because there's yeah, that, yeah, that is the Oh one, yeah, because yeah. that moment when like the lightning flashes outside and like we see the Batman mask with ears illuminated underneath this like prosthetic face over the top of it. Yeah. I want to see that in live action. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> that exact scene. But I, I think the reason we haven't seen a a raid style movie is I think and this seems kind of intuitive. I think it'd be too cheap to make. Oh, I was thinking um, it would cut out the younger demographic too much. There is that possibility, too. Yeah, that it would maybe limit your your appeal. But I mean, to be honest, though, like even the Dark Knight films weren't necessarily good for kids mm-hmm. like they're long and slow at times and there's like some pretty intense stuff in there i mean one can make the argument that of all the theatrical release batman movies maybe only batman forever and batman robin are actually intended for kids like all the rest of them are pretty serious and pretty dark but i, I think the problem would be that batman as a film is expected to make a billion dollars right right like it is one of those movies it's kind of like an avengers movie where they know that everyone will want to see it so they're going to put the budget into it to make it huge so that it'll like, it's this sort of like weird counterintuitive thing. Like, Oh, we want it to make a billion dollars. So it has to have a budget of like $200 million, which isn't necessarily true, but that's kind of the way it works. Uh, speaking of box office really quick. Did you see the very set up until the movie that just came out? Uh, right now, the top five of six films are all Disney films. And even the one that's not is Spider-Man. Oh, God. Yeah. The, the only films that have broken a billion dollars this year are Disney films. Yeah. With kind of oh, like, said, and, yeah, I think I saw that they made over seven, like like seven point six billion dollars so far at the box office. And yeah, it wasn't even August yet when that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they still have Frozen Two coming out. Yeah, they still have Star Wars coming out. Look, I think there is a cynical read on that. There's the cynical read that Disney is monopolizing 
like mainstream entertainment monopolizing billion dollars yeah well pretty much like i mean they they now own like most of the major properties at this point yeah and look i think there is a a valid cynical read to that i mean i think that um just the more places entertainment is coming from the more diverse and interesting entertainment becomes i think that's why streaming has been so good for entertainment right but at the same time it, I think it also does speak to, for the most part, the quality of the stuff they're putting out. Like, it's hard to make a billion... You can't make a billion dollars unless people are enjoying what you're watching. That's mm, Jurassic World. I like Jurassic World. Okay. The first one? Yeah, I like it. Well, how much did the second one make? The second one also Less. made, but still over a billion. I don't think it did. I definitely think it did. Because Jurassic World 1 is like, what, the fourth highest grossing film of all time still? Uh, okay, I'm looking it up, what it, it made. But, I mean, look, you okay, so you can make a billion dollars off of, say, oh, well, there we go, Fallen Kingdom 1.3, so I was yeah. wrong. You're right. Mm-hmm. You can make a billion dollars off of just anticipation alone. Yeah. Right? I mean, you and I both weren't super hot on The Lion King. Yeah. Yeah, and that's already at 1.4 or something. Yeah, and I mean, I think a lot of that comes from people like you and I who are already kind of bought into just the general idea of going to these live-action remakes, even if some are better, some are worse. Um, but... Did we already talk about the child, Childless Millennial article? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the person who's like complaining that Disneyland is being overrun by childless millennials. Yeah. It's like, guess where... Well, the- it was more, more the point of the guy who wrote the article was super biased against Disney already. Oh, okay. He's like, you know, these kids just want to, or these these millennials just want to hold on to their childhood, so they're not going to see any, they're only going to see Disney movies, and they're just going to keep funding these live-action bullshit remakes, and they've never heard of Booksmart or The Farewell. And we're like, we love Booksmart. Yeah. It's our movie of the year. It's so easily it's our still, movie of the year. It's still my movie of the year so far. It's still at Arclight. Is it really? Yeah. Do kind of want to go? one theater, I think. Do kind of want to go see it again. I really, really loved that movie. But yeah. Like, okay. I mean, there's a whole separate conversation. Yeah. That, no, sorry. I didn't no, no. Like, I was saying, there's a whole separate conversation to be had about the fact that there's a reason why, like, one, it is referred to as childless millennials because we're all like, we don't want kids. We can't afford kids. Right. The world is just like a swirling toilet bowl of shit that's going to get continuously worse. Mm-hmm. Why do we want to bring kids into it? And no wonder we're super nostalgic because we all grew up in like the late 90s and early 2000s where things were pretty fucking great. Yeah. So no shit. This is how we approach. No wonder you want to like, oh, let's try and find some glimpse of the life that used to be really fun and joyous and ignore the fact that it's gotten terrible. I was having a conversation the other day where I don't, I don't think it was with you. It might've been with someone else. Cause sometimes I talk to other people. <gasps> what? Uh, How I dare know. you? I'm sorry. I, mean, I assumed you talked to no one <laughs> else because we aren't friends outside of this podcast. That's true. So <laughs> I just sit in my dark corner. Yes. Uh, but they were asking like with this loop of nostalgia, what's it going to be like in 15 years mm-hmm. of entertainment? Are we going to re loop back on the same nostalgia? Uh, and I was thinking of like, what is the media that we've had now that we didn't have years ago? And my thought is, we're going to get movies about vines. And that's going to be oh. in the nostalgia in 20 years. Oh, my God. I think and I'm so pumped. I think you're right. I'm though. so pumped. I absolutely think you're right. Well, also, we probably won't get movies about vines. Because I don't know. Who's still be making movies in 20 years? That's a whole different thing. But we will be getting... 
whatever the the equivalent of Vine is at that time, we're getting yeah. remakes of when classic they, when, Vines. When Vine 3.0 comes out in 20 yeah. years, it's just going to be remakes of the Vines that came out five we'll, years ago. We'll get remakes of, uh, what's a famous Vine? I don't uh, know Vines. Oh, God, what's the, uh, there's is only it, one thing scarier than a rapist, a child. I don't know that one. It's a guy. He's it's a guy in like a fake investigation room. Okay. And he has a sign, and at the bottom he has three words covered up. Uh, at the bottom it's rapist, and then the second one is child. And the guy's like oh, a child. It's like no a child rapist. Yeah. God. Okay. I don't. I don't know that one at all. Is the is the the little kid going? Listen, Linda. Is that a is that a Vine or is that just like a YouTube? I video? think it's a Vine. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. There, there's a handful of good ones. I don't know what the kids are into anymore. I'm an old man. Yeah. I'm just a grumpy old man. I like my content longer than seven seconds. Yeah. You know what? I, sh- I should have gotten a rocking chair for my porch. You should have. This is what I should I should have got just a lone rocking chair. A rocking chair, a smoking pipe, like a long Gandalf smoking pipe. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I actually did used to own a smoking pipe. Mm-hmm. I finally got rid of it because like my lungs cannot, like my just... But but the but, rocking chair has to creak. It has to be a very creaky rocking chair. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. I would deliberately loosen it so that it creaked. Yeah. Like, the people on the street have to know you're creaking. Yeah. Uh, let's get myself a straw hat. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're, we're starting to stray away from old and just going to southern. <laughs> just going I, straight mind, like I'm Tom just, Sawyer. I'm just the guy, like, sitting on his rocking chair with the jug of moonshine as you're, like, entering Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. I was thinking, yeah. I mean, that's the theme song from Deliverance. Is it? <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, that's what he plays. Uh, on his banjo. The song he, he, I don't know if he actually plays the Deliverance theme, though. But no, that th- those are the notes that he hits. Because I was pitch perfect, and I know it. <laughs> you are always pitch perfect. You're yes. the musical talent of the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, no. I am the Rebel Wilson of the two of us. <laughs> and what am I then? Um... What is that? What does that Rebel Wilson pull from? From Pitch Perfect. Oh, okay. <laughs> but is it, is she on? Is she's not even like the best singer of all of them? No, right? I know. Wouldn't it be like the an Anna Kendrick, or a, a Britney Snow, or a Haley Steinfeld? Haley Steinfeld. I'd love to be a Haley or a Skylar Aston. Yes. Oh. I bet you're surprised how many people I know that are in those movies. An mm-hmm. Adam Devine. <laughs> no, I would expect you to know some of these people. I mean, I've they're they're all I've seen one famous I've seen people. The, I've seen the first one. And I liked yeah. it. Well, Haley was in the second one. Okay, but I knew that she was in it. You've you've revealed your hand. Oh Chris. God, <laughs> you're a fan. <laughs> I played my cards. Now you all know. <laughs> but uh, what were we talking uh, so about? Going back, we, we were talking about Disney box office. But I do think Hobbs and Shaw just came out. Yeah, I feel like that will break the the streak. That's I think. Do you think? Do you think it'll break top five of the year? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's been doing pretty well so far. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a big movie. People are excited about it. Yeah. You saw it. You liked it. I wasn't going to spoil it, but I did see it, and it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. We're, we're going this upcoming weekend. I'm so excited to see you it again. See it. Oh, God. It, uh, it actually is, like, a very fun okay. movie. All right. Well, hopefully I'll enjoy it. Um, I mean, I feel like we've been talking for a while about news, but let's just keep going. There's more stuff to talk mm-hmm. about. Uh, I really want to talk about the fact that the original Spider-Man teaser from 2001. You just showed me I this. I just showed it to you. It's back up a line again. I remember when this teaser trailer came out, and I was so 
fucking pumped for that movie. Mm-hmm. I love that song. The Are You Gonna Take Me on a Roller Coaster? I can't remember who it's by. I thought it was a prodigy, but it's not. But I was so excited when I realized that it was on the Matrix One soundtrack, which has a lot of really good oh, stuff. Of course, on it was really good stuff on that I, soundtrack. I could have assumed that. Yeah, with the style. Of yeah, that. one of my all-time favorite songs, "Club to Death," is on that soundtrack. It's amazing. Go look it up, kids. Uh, but I love this teaser trailer because it's like the most 2000s thing ever. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's so fitting that it's also a like a Sony Columbia Pictures movie because it reminds me of Charlie's Angels, like the first Charlie's Angels. Oh yeah, which just had like the same sort of like kind of action editing, had a lot of the same kind of music going on to it. And you even ask like, is this a Spider-Man trailer? Yeah, that opening shot is is very much the opening scene of Dark Knight. Yeah, like the bank heist. These guys mm-hmm. are robbing a bank, and then they they escape in a helicopter, which is like making like sharp right turns. Oh, not even on a, yeah. not even like it's not even like tilting around corners. It's just like making hard right turns around the skyscrapers of New York, flying between them, which makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, and then it famously gets trapped and then yanked back and stuck in a spider web between the twin towers, and that's why it got pulled, obviously after nine eleven. Um, but it's a fantastic It's a trailer. very, very good teaser. Also, did you think that the the bank robber who comes in and is like, everyone get down on the ground. Did you think that was Nicolas Cage? No. It sounds so much like Nicolas Cage. Okay. Like, I was convinced as a kid that it was Nicolas Cage, but obviously at that time, you couldn't really look it up in any sort of like meaningful way to prove it. Right. And I've seen it enough now to know that it's not. But I'll be damned if it doesn't look a shitload. If not, he, it sounds a shitload like Nicolas Cage. If, if we go back to that universe, who, you know, going back in time before Ghost Rider, what Spider-Man character would you want Nick Cage to play? He was campaigning hard, and I think he came close to playing the Green Goblin. Yeah, he. I think he'd do a great... I mean, I, I love yeah. the Green Goblin we got. Yeah, I mean, Will, Willem Dafoe was fantastic, but I genuinely think he would have been a really good Green Goblin, actually. Mm-hmm. I he I'd love to see him as just a psychotic craven. Yeah, that mm-hmm. could be good too. Mainly just see him like try and get in super good shape. Yeah. I mean he, he was in decent shape back. I mean he was in good shape for 90s good shape. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I mean I, I will always have an appreciation for him cuz I think he actually is a really good actor. I think you just have to know how to write for him. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't. Do you remember the community episode? About I haven't Nick seen Cage. most of Community. Oh, there's there's a whole episode where Abed takes a film class called Nick Cage Good or Bad. Oh uh, my god! And he he has like a psychotic breakdown because he can't decide. He needs a hard yes or a hard no. Yeah. And so in like 48 hours, he watches every Nick Cage film, oh, and it's like causes him to break. I can't. That sounds horrific. It's such a funny episode. I I don't think I could do 48 hours of just good Nicolas Cage films. Yeah. Mm, actually, that's not true. I could watch The Rock on loop. For 48 hours mm-hmm. The I, movie Not the character That's absolutely true yeah. uh, I, I love The movie The Rock Yes I mostly like The Rock too um, Okay Totally off kilter here Did you watch the Irishman trailer? I did watch the Irishman trailer It's good it Looks very good it Looks really good it, it, It's like a middle ground Between uh, What is it? King, not Kings of New York What was the, the Gangs one? of New York? Gangs of New York It's like yeah. a middle ground Between Gangs of New York And the Kingsman movie we're getting And the Depadded And the Depadded And the Depadded Mm-hmm yeah, I, I think it looks really good. Um, I mean, obviously, Scorsese's great. It's probably going to be too long, as most of his movies the last few years have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, What's the last movie he made? I'm pretty sure it was Silence, right? Wasn't that the last oh. movie he made? Yeah, I know, yeah. I didn't even bother. I know you were not, oh. a, a, not a keen on that. And I, I think I've even said this before on the podcast that I really enjoy about the first two-thirds of The Wolf of Wall Street, and it has a perfect ending, and they go on for 45 more minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's such a shame. 
But um, no, I think it looks really good. I thought it was very interesting that they were seemingly deliberately holding back on showing too much of the uh, the age slash de-aged digital work on their faces. Mm-hmm. They kind of saved it to the very end. How did you feel about it? I mean, did it, did it seem noticeable to you? Did it seem pretty good? I, I didn't notice it at all. Okay. I, I mean, I guess I was consciously kind of watching for it, but I, I did notice it. But also, to be fair, it's a trailer. We've seen this before where even completed VFX shot usually looks a little bit more polished by the time it actually happens in a movie. Yeah. And I also feel like you kind of start to ignore it at a certain point. Like, I don't know about you, but when I watch Rogue One, like, I don't think too much about the fact that it's a digitally resurrected... Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not, Tarkin. like, gonna pause it when I see Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah. Be like, I see that pixel is off. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna be a pixel pusher. <laughs> it's fantastic. It, it's what it, it's called in the biz. In the biz? Yeah. In the show biz? Yes. Uh, I, I think it's technology that is best used sparingly Mm -hmm. like for example in rogue one the final shot of leia looks fantastic because it's like it's just one quick shot on her yeah i think the more you do it the more obvious it can be um although whoever did samuel jackson's work on captain marvel they should just that person it was just sam jackson i mean that's true they didn't have to do a lot of work they never have to he still looks so good and and because he's like 71 yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he still looks amazing. And like, he, I love, he's still playing roles that are like 20 years younger than he actually is. Right. Because no one thinks he's that old because he, he's just Sam Jackson. He's so cool. But we also talked about the fact that in Captain Marvel, part of what except my performance works so well is that he, he's playing that character like he would have if it had been filmed in the 90s. Right. Like he's bringing 90s era Sam Jackson energy to mm-hmm. it, which is fantastic. And also just being a little bit naive. Yeah. Just immediately makes him 25 years younger. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited for that movie, though. I have, I have high hopes for the Irishman. There was man. a... Uh, who, who's directing Gemini Man? Ang Lee. Uh, Ang Lee came out... Or someone on the, on the cast of Gemini Man came out being like, this is the most, like... Uh, unique face altering we've ever done with a person. No movie has ever done this before uh, with their like young, like, you know, de-aging technology. Yeah. And like we used half practical, half digital. Like Tron Legacy did this 10 years ago. And Tron Legacy did it to not great effect necessarily. Yeah. But like they're, t- they're like boasting about how no one's ever done this practically before. I'm like, no, Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges sat in the chair for fucking four hours. Yeah, Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. Volume Two, and again, I'm going to assume like Sam Jackson to some degree as well. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, like it's been done. I, I did hear something about the. I think the difference maybe on Gemini Man, and I, I'm not 100 percent certain on this. It's something I heard on a podcast. Is that that is an entirely CGI face? Yeah, it's basically a deep fake of a young yeah Will Smith. Exactly, but it's mm-hmm. it's not like so. What we're actually seeing is. We're actually seeing a 90s Will Smith. Yeah, basically. That's kind mm-hmm. of it. So I think they've found like a unique approach to it. To be fair, like the effect looks good. Yeah. I'm just not super interested in that movie itself. Same. It just looks a little generic. Who the fuck is playing with the bottles outside? I think someone is uh, taking recycling out of the recycling bins. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. I don't think we're going to pick too much of that up. No, probably not. <laughs> Folks, I live in a nice, but... Eh, it's part, I mean, part it's, of LA. Yeah. It's still LA. It's still LA. This happens pretty much everywhere. I don't yeah. live in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we, we've gone a long time, but I have one last thing as I tease up at the top. A mm-hmm. pretty exciting piece of news that just came out this morning. It seems to be 
that Kevin Conroy will be playing a live-action version of an older Bruce Wayne in the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover happening on the CW Yeah, at the end of this year. That's going to be insane. It is going to be insane. Because they also confirm Black Lightning's going to be part of it. Yeah. And he has not been in any crossover yet. Exactly. He's supposed to exist in his own kind of separate uh, universe. So, look, I mean... I, as of recording on this, there has not been any sort of like official announcement from Warner Brothers, but both actors have tweeted from their own accounts, making mm-hmm. strong allusions to this being real. If it has not been confirmed by Warner Brothers, by the time this comes out, this may be pulled. No, I feel, no, I think, okay. I, th- I think we're good. We're good talking about this. Like it's, I, if, if it had been purely rumor, I would have been skeptical to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's coming from their own Twitter accounts, like seems to heavily imply that this is going to be a reality. Yeah. Um, and I am certainly really, really excited about it, particularly Kevin Conroy. Like, I know. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Do you think he's going to bulk up? No, I don't think so. I What'll be interesting is... I want a super bulky Kevin Conroy. I didn't... I, I want the I Shazam want see, I want to see that too. It'd be interesting to see what role he takes on specifically, because clearly they're going for like an older Batman, so are they going to do something... Batman Beyond-esque is maybe maybe this is going to be the Bruce Wayne that exists in the Kingdom Come universe that we're going to see with, with Brandon Routh's Superman. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if he's actually playing the Superman Returns version of that character. I thought they confirmed it was the same. No, no, they did not. They've confirmed that he will be the Kingdom Come version. Right. We don't know if that is then set in the same continuity as Superman Returns, which right. technically is set in... The Christopher Reeve continuity. Exactly. That's the aspect we don't know. Um, but, I mean, this is cool stuff. Like, they're making it impossible for me not to watch this at this point. Yeah. Because I think I think we had also gotten news, if I recall, that Linda Carter is going to be playing Wonder Woman once again. Oh, that'd be amazing. I feel like I'm more excited for this than I've been for any DC film in the past couple of years. Well, because what it sounds like it's going to be is this fan service for yeah a like week. This, a full week of yeah like service. a full like a full five episode arc that's really embracing the fan appreciation for this like they're revisiting like the most beloved versions of these characters i mean there was talk that burt ward is going to have an appearance in there too the oh, original yeah. robin so and look i have well i think they they've been teasing this concept for a while having the original flash be uh barry's dad that's true yeah because we've seen him yeah bringing yeah. mark hamill back for an episode to be trickster yeah we yeah that's true because in the, the last crisis we did get a, a scene with um john wesley ship as the flash once again yeah so th- this is what's the what's the most obscure pull they could do birds of prey oh yeah that'd be a good one i think birds of prey is one that doesn't really exist in any sort of fandom anywhere like people still make reference to super friends for example yeah um or maybe like the 80s 90s superboy cartoon i was thinking uh, uh, live action show as possible is is greatest american hero is that dc i don't think so okay i think that was just a a, an original property on cbs sure that is one that they've been trying to reboot it I'm surprised it hasn't gone it through came, yet. It came close. Um, so the... Oh, oh um, it's the, the the other female lead from New Girl. Oh, my God. How am I blanking on her name? She was oh, attached. Oh, the, the friend? Yeah. The one who ends up marrying Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Um, she was attached 
to star in a modern update on The Greatest American Hero, but I think it fell through ultimately. I think it went back in a turnaround, if I recall. Okay. That's a shame. Yeah. Um, Hannah Simone. Thank you. I was like, yeah, Hannah was coming to mind, but I can't remember if that was the actress's name mm-hmm. or the character's name. Cece is the character. Cece, name. thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, this is super excited. I have, so this is my, my hope. I'm not claiming this a fan theory. My hope, and I have no back, like, I have nothing to back this up. My hope is that uh, when this crossover happens, we see animated characters pop up somewhere. I feel like that'd be hard, to, unless it was like someone watching, like in Kingdom Come, they've made an animated version of their heroes. That could work. Like it's on a think, TV somewhere. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get like a Roger Rabbit, Space Jam style. One, because it's just too expensive. It's what I want. Like, you're already getting this huge cast of characters to do... I mean, they've, they've done it before. Cartoon Network did it before. Combining live-action animation. They had... Um, in, in Jimmy's head was a show... I can't sustain that for that long, and that motorcycle keep going. Um there's a show on Cartoon Network from in the, the late 2000s, early 20-teens uh, called Inside Jimmy's Head, which is a, a weird premise where it's basically uh, their version of Walt Disney did freeze himself uh, inside his animation studio. A kid sneaks into the lab, bumps his head, and basically gets brain damage and gets Walt Disney's brain put in his head. Uh, and he finds out that all the characters that Walt had created were actually real to him. And so he can now see all the animated characters <clears throat> kind of running around in his real life. What? Yeah. When I describe it like that, it doesn't sound like a kid's show. No, it absolutely sounds like a kid's show. It sounds show. like a, and I mean, like I'm, a fucking I'm, horror I'm film. I'm looking at images from it, and yeah, I can totally see this being a kid's show. I mean, yeah. it's that sort of like crazy high concept thing that works so well in a kid's show. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, like it has been done on television. I think it lasted two or three seasons. So I guess like there is a budget for it, but I I don't think I'd want to see it with these characters. Yeah. Like you can't, I don't think you can make a grim movie that combines, or a grim series, or kind of a darker show that combines live action animation. What I will say though about. Because the only example I have is Cool World. Right, Cool World? Yes. I will say, though, with the CW Arrowverse, they're pretty good about maintaining tonal balance across their different shows. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, The Flash and Supergirl have a little bit lighter, bubblier tone than, say, Arrow. And then uh, Legends of Tomorrow, especially from what I've heard the the latter seasons, is like its own crazy weird thing going on. It's super fun. They're actually pretty good about when they do this sort of crossover stuff about maintaining some sort of like tonal consistency or at least embracing the tone of whatever version they're in at the time. And, you know, for example, like when they drop, uh, Oliver Queen into Supergirl or into a flash, like he is just like kind of constantly irked at how like fun everything is all the time. Like they find a way to kind of keep it all feeling continuous, even if the tones jump around. I actually think if there's one place they could do it outside of doom patrol, which is the weirdest of all of them. Oh, yeah. 
I think they could get away with in the Arrowverse. I just, if they do it, I don't think they would do it here. Probably not. Because they already have so much going on. But that could definitely be its own crossover next year or the year after. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's, I think I would love to see, we probably won't, but just like the fan of me would love to see that happen at some point. Mm -hmm. I think they could do I mean, we might get a live action Terry. That's what I'm wondering too. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm wondering. I I could definitely see that happening. It could be cool. I mean, fingers crossed. We're going to watch this. Like we're clearly, clearly going to watch this when it airs. Yeah. Um, Do you think it's also going to be Will Friedel? I mean, honestly, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. That would be really, really cool if they did it. After he lost his spot as Ron in the live-action Kim Possible movie, he this is his chance to redeem himself. I mean, the crime of all crimes, right there. I know. Mm. All right, I think we we've talked at length at this point about news. Shall we get into our, our solo episode our solo of Zeta episode. this week? This the is the season one finale. Wait, what episode did you watch? God damn it! Not again. Because <laughs> I thought this was the first episode of season two. Absolute zero. Yeah, yeah. This is the first episode of season two. So this is where it gets weird is like this episode is not included on the season one, like iTunes buy, mm-hmm. nor when you look it up on Wikipedia, this is season two. But, uh, it, well, actually, if you look it up on, um, the DCAU wiki, it is considered season one. Mm. It's season one. Okay, fine. Whatever. I think like, I'm, no, I'm pretty sure though this episode is the first season finale, it's not included on the Zeta project season one DVD. Well, here, here's my, my reasoning behind I don't think it should be season one. The animation quality is better. It is. On this. this overall was better. That's why I thought it was season two. This was... Because I, I wanted to, to tell Maddie, I, I, I'm starting to get it with this episode. I, this is a decent episode. I think this uh, should have been the pilot. Trash everything we've seen so far. Start us out. Let's let's describe the show and then the, yeah, okay. describe so, the episode. Then then I'll go into my basically theory. what what happens here is they know that Doctor Salig is going to, um, or yes, they don't this cryo yeah. The, I don't know how they know to look for him there, but the episode starts off with them breaking into like a secure R and D facility to get some information about. I'm, where, I'm sure that's they get the information there. Yeah, but how they knew to break into it doesn't matter. Yeah. How they knew they had to break in that place to get the information, I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. but it starts in meteorites. And I will say, I'll give them credit. They actually have a pretty clever ruse to get inside the building. Yeah. So basically, they have Roe carrying a bag of groceries, and then a mugger comes, like tries to steal the, the groceries from her for whatever reason. Yeah. And the security guards run out of this R and D facility to come help, and then the mugger takes off, and one of the security guards goes chasing off after him. And of course, we figure out pretty quickly it's probably Zeta. He redisguises himself as an old lady. And is like, oh, he went that way. And then Good he... Impersonation. Thank you. And then he... Are you Zeta? I am, in fact. I'm an infiltration unit. Yes. Uh, not going to go there. Uh, so then he redisguises himself as a security guard and goes back inside the building. It's like, it's actually a pretty clever ploy. And I think it's a good way to start the episode. Yeah. Like, it shows them as actually being like pretty clever and competent yeah like, now imagine if this was your first time ever seeing these characters you're like oh this is kind of cool and clever and yeah. fun well then because the way i imagine sorry i'm just gonna jump in my my theory now please 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 um uh, have the have this episode set up where we think that they're the bad guys from the start we think these are the villains breaking into this facility okay we jump to the nsa training grounds where we meet west and Lee. That's a weird sequence, too. I'm not sure why that's there. But now imagine this is a pilot, though. 
This is our first time meeting these two. We have then it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's it's the two characters. They're top of their class. West or Lee is Lee is more helpful. Yeah, while it works as a team. West is very much independent. We get the the two quote unquote protagonists. Yeah, and their their riff, and then we can even introduce a third agent, um, who's kind of at their level, mm-hmm. and then we have Bennett come in, explain the situation, infiltration unit. Uh, he's been, he's been caught. We got to go find him still following these two. And then they bring on the third person. I'm specifically. So at the end of the episode, when they let Lee go, the third person immediately takes the spot. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now you have a floater, you have two kind of anti-heroes at this point. And then you have the NSA that are they corrupt? Are they not? We don't know yet. All right. I like this idea. Yeah. While being bullet. So like Bennett, we've never seen him not be the, most powerful position. That's true. Yeah. Or this one we do. Yeah. He has so, to defer to the authority of this Colonel. Yeah. So you have this kind of sect of the NSA that is vengeful. So we can't tell if this is personal motive or if he actually has a reason to be chasing down Zeta. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I do like that. I, I see your point that this, this would work well as a pilot. If you're okay, not, Overly intricately setting everybody up. Mm-hmm. Like if you're okay jumping into a show, a whole show kind of in media res rather than just an episode. Yeah. I think it worked really well. And it, cause you're right. But look at Wikipedia. It is listed as the first episode of season two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and God, it, could you imagine not having to watch any of season one before this? Oh I mean, man, that would have been so nice. I, it would be kind of an improvement. Like I think, look, I mean, I think we're, we'll, I don't know if we're really going to do a short list on this, but like... We said we're going to do bottom five. <laughs> the bo- that's right. I think we'll get to the end of the whole show, and then we'll do the bottom five. But like, yeah. you're right, though. If you were... If you... If someone wanted to just know what Zeta Project was like, 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 hey, I love the DCAU. I've heard the show Zeta. Like, is it worth watching? I would say, you know what? If you want to get a sense of what the show is like, go watch this episode. Watch the... Read synopsis of season one. I don't, do you even really I don't think need, so. Like, they, they make references to things. Like, so, we, you know, Bennett references the fact that Lee has expressed sympathies towards the, the synthoid. Right, that's kind of the only thing you need. Because he even, ex- he already explains that they're hunting down Selig. Yeah. And then, in context, we learn Selig created him. Yes. And so now we just don't know why he wants to talk to him. Well, he even says, like, oh, but Selig's the only person. He doesn't explain specifically why, but he's like, oh, Selig's the only person that can clear my name and prove that yeah. I'm not... Um, like a monster. So, I mean, you basically get all the critical information you would need here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's... This one just feels like all the pieces fell into place a little bit sharper than in the past. Like, yeah. when they get to the cryo facility, um, you know, when the when they realize, like, oh, like, the Zeta is impersonating this other doctor and he's caught... And the security guards just like blindly start shooting into the room. This is the first time that someone has ever gone, hey, don't shoot in there. It's dangerous. Yeah. Because that happens in every single episode. And finally, like, no, don't do that. And then, of course, they they cause this cryo chamber to activate with Selig trapped inside of it. And then from that point on, it's actually decently like suspenseful. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Zeta has to stay attached to the machine to keep Dr. Selig alive. The security guards trying to break in. They might capture or destroy Zeta. NSA is on the way. The NSA is on the way. Bennett's going 
like going rogue basically and operating outside of authority to go like track this thing down. So it's been a personal investment. Like all of these things you're actually invested in. Yeah. Like I was invested in the outcome of this in a way that I really haven't been up to this point. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Because this is also a Zeta where he is putting, I mean, he, he's, he's full on um, utilitarian. He's full on Spockyism. Yeah. Uh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. He's, he is or the sacrif- one. Yeah. Or the one. Or the one. But it's, I mean, the, the saying is many over the few. Or the one. Is that what Spock says? Yes. That is what Spock says, you're right. That's what he says in Wrath of Khan. Yes. The best Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he is going out of his way to like even Roe being like, hey, we got to get out of here. Like, they're going to catch us. He's like, well, if I leave, he's going to die. And I'm yeah. not going to kind of have that on my, my robotic hands. Also, if he dies we're in the same place we've always been. Right, exactly. Yeah. This is the, this is the only chance we have of ever clearing ourselves. I, I think this is the only time the the immediacy and the investment felt real. Because mm-hmm. like every other person they've interacted with is like, oh, maybe this person can help. And you quickly realize they can't. Like, oh, like they finally found the guy that might actually be able to help them. Yeah. And so it actually felt like there was consequence here in a way that hadn't happened before. Yeah. But he seems like a decent guy, Dr. Selig. Yeah, I mean, he he mentions the Zeta program, uh, and he, he has like a weird, um, like a weird vibe when he's talking about it. Yeah, he seems like like your genial old scientist, just like ah, I love what I do. I'm just gonna play around and tinker yeah. all these kind of very gold cool bloom of it all. He's got a gold bloom mm-hmm. oh, live action remake. Let's get some gold bloom in here, Doctor yeah. Salig. Um, but you know, like at one point the like the the cryo chamber starts to break apart and the gas leaks out and i actually really like that sequence when the gas leaks out and freezes that cart mm-hmm. and then like it instantly like shatters and explodes it it's not realistic but it establishes the peril of the situation pretty quickly right um and again it has consequence in a way before it's like oh my god they're gonna get smothered in chocolate sauce at mm-hmm. this candy factory. And you have an action sequence where we can have a pacifist not yeah, not fight. Yeah, like he's trying to save somebody here in, yeah. in, 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 in a clever way. And it's like, oh, well, like, we've seen that this gas is uh, so cold that it can destroy metal. So when he actually goes in, like, oh, there's actual real danger here for him. Yeah. Um, which I, I think that speaks to the challenges of writing for powerful characters. We've seen that same problem with Superman, even with Batman Beyond, and we're seeing it again here. It's like, is this character ever really in danger? Right. No. So here he actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it, it's basically exactly what you said. How did you feel about uh, Agent Lee walking away at the end of it? I actually, in the middle of the episode, I wrote this note as I just pulled it up. Uh, I said they need to go the Jackie Chan Adventures la- route. Lee joins the good team and replaces with a new super spy in the same way that at the end of season one of Jackie Chan adventures, Toru, who's the big sumo yeah. of the dark hand joins Jackie and, um, Oh God, the, the red head spiky guy, uh, who uh, always calls out his attacks. I yeah. love him so much. Uh, I'll look him up while you're talking. He, he replaces Toru in, in the dark hand. Um, but like that, that's, I feel like like a staple of, of shows of the two thousands. It's like you always had that that bad guy go good. Uh, is it Ratso? No, Ratso's Chow. Uh, nope. Finn Hawk Fu. Hawk Fu. Hawk Fu. Yeah. yeah. 
Haku was the best. Oh my god, I really want to do the show at some point. I, I really, really, it's it's worth a rewatch. Like minus, I'm not a big fan of season two. No, season three, I'm not a big fan of because season one is the talisman. Talisman. Season, season two, two is, is the boxes. Is season oh. three the animals? Yeah, season three is when the talismans break and it goes to the animals. Yeah. There's a couple that are good there, but overall it's just like, okay. Yeah. Season four is my favorite because that's when they go uh, Chinese with the, the masks. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. No, sorry. They go Japanese with the masks the mask, because yeah. everyone else is, is, is Chinese in the show. They go Japanese with the, with the masks and that's the fucking best season. And then season five is... Um, like, do they stop with the talismans by the time they get to season? The five? talismans are still there, but it's back to the boxes because it's um, oh god, what the dragon's name oh, is oh the the dragon boy like the, yeah, the son the son of, of like Shin the the half human half dragon son yeah that comes from the future who's trying to resurrect his family. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, the uh, dragon kid. Oh, I really. Sh- I really love that show. What is it? Shen something? Shendu is Shendu. The, God damn it. Uh, is the dragon. So it's Shendu is Jr. the dragon. Shendu Jr. Oh yeah, Dra- Drago. Drago. Dra- yeah, Drago. Drago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Classic. And then Toru. Fucking. Not, uh, no, not Toru. Uh, who's the the wrestler? Is El Toro Fuerte? El, El Toro Fuerte. Oh, he's the. Oh, I love El Toro Fuerte. And then Jade, no, not Jade. Uh, Viper, Viper is, is the potent is the the Catwoman. Yeah, oh, so good. The show is so good. Like, but I know what you mean. Why like, are we watching Zay? <laughs> I know why are we watching this show. But what I thought was interesting was that this, I think this show more so than like every other show in the GCAU feels very much of its time. Yes. It follows a same structure as a lot of other cartoons from this era. It follows a lot of uh, kind of plot and character tropes from the time as well. I think it just feels like a less unique beast than kind of everything else in this universe. And because even the way you look at this first season is structured, and let's run with the assumption that this episode was supposed to be the season one finale. I'm a little bit confused, and mm-hmm. Maddie, please, I mean, with, please, with, please fill us in on how this is supposed yeah. to work, because the air date would line up with it being the premiere of season two. And certainly the way it's like packaged would be that, but I've been seeing in different places consider season one finale, but mm-hmm. let's run the assumption. I think it is meant to be because what it does is it, it resolves a lot of things that were set up in season one. They find Selig. They find Selig and then Lee. lose him. Yep. Um, Bennett finally figures out that it's Selig. They're trying to track down. Lee leaves, um, you know, kind of reaffirms the two of them, like you're going to keep going on their own, that sort of thing. And that is very much a trope of that era of cartoons as well. It's like, we're going to set up a bunch of stuff in like the first episode in season one. We are going to like have little hints of it along the way. And then season two is the only other episode where anything of real consequence happens. Right. Right. You could jump from the pilot to this and nothing in the middle really matters that much. Um, and that's pretty typical, right? Like I remember that even like Jackie Chan adventures, like, oh, they're trying to track the talismans, but it's like the final episode, like they somehow pack in, like they finally get all the talismans and like Shendu gets like breaks out of the thing and they defeat him and he goes back into it and it all like repeats again. Or like, I think the mummy did something similar as well, where it's like mm-hmm. that finale, everything of consequence happens in it. And that feels like that's what's going on here. Yes. Um, I liked that Lee ended up leaving actually by the end of it too. Like I don't, I felt a little forced, but I, I think I could enough. have had one more episode where she is more on the fence. Yeah, because we basically just got the one. Like she's a little on the fence in the first one. She has the one episode where she like lets them escape, 
Mm-hmm. Which I guess Bennett maybe like what if about. she saw the footage? Um, like she, uh, they're like, where do they go? Where do they go? And she goes into uh, the security office and finds the footage of Zeta keeping Selig alive, and that's oh, that's her okay. like her full turning point. Is like, oh no, she's like he's not trying to kill him; he's trying to save his life. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's then why what motivates her to call in the military it didn't seem like it was the nsa i feel like it was a different branch yeah whatever whatever bennett's boss is yeah mm-hmm. um or even like even if she doesn't leave in that episode that's her her final step of like okay we're in the wrong yeah and I, i'm sure i mean i know she comes back in some capacity i'm not sure exactly how mm-hmm. i guess we'd be surprised when it happens but i mean I, this was overall pretty good i i think you know, there are some of those like weird little logic moments, like why doesn't Zeta ever stay in disguise? Like once he disguises himself as a security guard, wouldn't you just keep being disguised as a security guard so if you get caught? Yeah. So no my, my thought with, think about with this it, is but... um, there there's a game online called Prop Hunt. Have you ever heard of this? Maybe. Uh, it's a, it's a very fun, unique twist on shooting games. Um, it's it's a game kind of packaged inside of another game called Gary's Mod. Okay. But basically, it's a hide and seek game where you have a, a gunner uh, who, who has to count down for a couple of seconds, and then you have all the other players can turn into any prop in the game. So like if you're on, a, if you're on like a, a map of an office building, you can turn into like a desk or a, a trash can. You can still move around as a trash can, uh, but you're trying to basically hide in plain sight okay. as a prop. It's kind of fun. It's a very fun game, and it's, yeah. it's, it's a very funny game and a fun idea. And I'd love to see Zeta... Uh, them the two of them is like, where'd they go? Where'd they go? And it's kind of military and NSA running around, and they're like, they just turned into uh, like a filing cabinet on the side, which is basically what he does here. Yeah, and they always fall for the same ruse. I know. Again, well, this and was again. a good. This was a good ruse to to use. Where as the ambulance came up, he disguised himself as the doctor and disguised Roe as um, like Doctor Selig. Yeah. Yeah, like they are clever sometimes. I think yeah. that was what made it work for me here was that they got me. I didn't realize that was that. That was yeah, them. same. I, I think sometimes they're smart about how they approach it. And I feel like in this episode, the characters didn't feel stupid. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't watch this episode and think, "Oh my god, everyone in this universe is an idiot," which is kind of the way it's been up to this point. Right. Okay, so I got a question for you then, Cameron. Oh no. Does this give you some glimmer of hope? as we continue through Zeta? Like, it, if, if this is the trajectory of, like, them finally starting to get their footing, are you a little more hopeful going on from here? I, with with the, this episode and Maddie's full support of this se- this season, Yeah. Yes, I, I will try my best not to be as negative or as yeah. critical. Well, I, look, I, I mean, we play it up sometimes for the hell of it, but I, you and I are actually... Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes it's really that bad. Sometimes you're just really that angry. I think you and I are actually usually pretty fair mm-hmm. when it comes to this. Like you and I both had nice things to say about this. Like this was yeah. like, like genuinely like a decent episode. Like mm-hmm. this is something that'll be like, like I, I'm not necessarily going to tell someone, Oh my God, you got to go watch this. Well, here, here's but, what I, what I want to test ourselves on. Okay. Is if this is a good, like if we watch an episode of like an average episode of Batman, uh, BTOS, does this fit in with that? Or is our, has our bar lowered? I think because of the rest of this season, I think our bar is lowered. Yes. But okay. Let me, let me put it this way. If I were flicking through channels, which I never do anymore, obviously, Mm -hmm. 
And this came on, and I knew it was specifically this episode. I would consider just finishing it out. Oh yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Yeah, which I think every other every other episode, I'd be like, which this, one is this? Okay, I remember this one. <laughs> Off we go. This is ugly. I don't need to see this. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I I got I got some hopes going forward with the show. Yeah, I think, I, I'm I not. Think, I think it could be good. As cynical so. as I have been. Yeah. Um, shall we move along to some notes from friends here? Sure. Are we doing that before Long Halloween? Oh. Is that gonna be a plug, or is that gonna be part of the episode? Um, make we'll a plug. We'll make a plug. Let's do. Let's yeah. do quick notes from friends, and then we'll make it like the first kind of uh, special plug, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but so had a great message from Maddie about last week's episode, and uh, I thought this is a really good point actually. And so he said, uh, "Something I'm surprised didn't come up with Kajenius is how it feels like the show is afraid to live in the world that's been established." You know, Beyond's Out of the Past already aired, so we still have Lazarus, Pit, Splicing is a huge thing that could be used for the, the cavemen, lizard people that we got in there. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, there's an interesting premise here that they have just remembered there are similar technologies already in this universe. Like, imagine uh, Talia slash Roz is returning to the Zeta Project as the investor for this project or something. And I think that's a really good point, which is, imagine if this show leaned into its universe more like if we brought in references to batman to superman to all these other sort of things i mean something that well, i mean even well, what's the, the they're just the future justice league right yeah like, okay. Justice League beyond yeah like they they could definitely because that's not something that's really played in and beyond but still exists i feel like that would be a great spot here for them to be yeah. Like, what if they go in one episode, um, you know, they go to one of the members' cities. Yeah. Uh, and and they, now they, they have... Run to like, Micron or something like that. It could be really cool. Yeah. And I, I think they, maybe there was, like, some legal limitations in terms of what they could do in terms of bringing into their characters. Um, maybe there was kind of, like, like, the bat embargo from the 2000s, maybe sort of similar thing going on here. But, you know, with, with Static Shock, they leaned to that, I think... M- further into the series i don't remember the timeline but i feel like the crossovers are happening more towards the end of it uh rather than yeah the beginning well because the main crossover <laughs> i'm so excited for these with episodes. the nba oh with the nba Which yeah i think shack is in more episodes than batman is that's so fantastic actually i can confirm shack is in more episodes Episode than batman's batman i i mean i, I think shack is in like two episodes a season yes I, but i i really that's a really good point for maddie i would have loved it if the show had brought in those little pieces here and there. And Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the reason this show just feels kind of flat is that there is some really rich, interesting stuff that they could have been pulling from. Like this is really, at this point already a very expansive universe. Like this is set in a future where aliens exist and are known, you know, even if we don't have the, you know, the, the latter continuity playoff of yet. So we don't have static or justice league or justice league unlimited. We still have all of Superman. Yeah. All of BTOS, new Batman adventures, most of Batman Beyond. It'd be interesting to see, like he said, those technologies coming in. It's like, why don't we see splicers mm-hmm. out in the rest of the world? Well, yeah, because even we've talked about before, like we forget that this is also a future show. Yeah. Like this feels like this feels like it, you know, this is basically a dumbed down Sarah Connor Chronicles. Pretty much. Yeah. And I, I, I think just oozing with sexual tension. So much sexual. I, I kind of get why it feels so separated from everything, but I think that's something that could have made this show 
feel a little bit sharper and a little bit more ingrained as if they had brought in, like if they, there were references, to the fact that aliens exist, if there are references to splicing technology, you know, if, I mean, I guess they technically go to Gotham like briefly in that crossover episode, but I would just would have loved to see more connective tissue. Yeah. Throughout. I think it might've made it a bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because there's none of that, that's why most people forget about the show. Yeah. Well, is because it, you, you can get through the entire DCAU and not ever worry about this. Because it's inconsequential. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, any one show is oftentimes inconsequential from the other. Or when there is sort of bleed, they explain it in some level. But this, no wonder it's like the forgotten one. Because it really has nothing to do with everything else. Mm-hmm. And I, I think probably to its convenience for producing, but to its loss in the long run. Yeah. There wasn't more connective tissue. So it's a very good point, Maddie. Wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, and then I got a couple more here I'm just bringing up. Uh, real fast. So, uh, I know I got a lot of hate messages, not hate mail per se, Mm. but, uh, we got one here from good old Sam Gash, our friend over at the ideal remake, Sam Gash. Yep. Uh, he said, this is for me, not you. He said, number one, it was make seven up yours, not just seven up yours. The, the campaign. Remember we were talking about that? Cause we were talking about like what, if there's ever been a successful show spun off of an advertisement. We were talking about the Cavemen Geico oh, show. Oh, gotcha. So I was referencing like the Seven Up Yours campaign. He said, two, uh, actually, did you read this? The, I, I skimmed. That yeah. the movie Space Jam was inspired by a commercial that Michael Jordan was in with Bugs That's Bunny right. for Nike yeah, yeah. shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, of course, said, Ed, if you'd like to find out more about that, tune into episode 50 of the Edge of Remake. Okay. Uh, but I had forgotten about that. That, that I, I also forgot about I that. I think he never recalled that commercial. I forgot that commercial existed in something like, we'll make a movie out of this. So I guess that is... The most successful commercial com- commercial adaptation yeah. to, to, I mean, that is a movie that still has cultural cachet. We're getting a new version of it in, in the, at some in, point in this tidal wave of nostalgia that we're doing. Yeah. So I haven't watched Space Jam in a long time. I loved that movie as a it's, kid. I still love it. I had a whole bunch of the toys. Great I was, soundtrack. Probably great soundtrack probably, yeah. too. Yeah. I, I was always so upset that they had all of the, the, the tune characters in their uniforms but for whatever reason, I'm pretty sure it was Sylvester. They put him in the away team jersey instead of the normal team jersey. Like, well, then I don't have like the whole team in the right jerseys. Oh, that's weird. I know. I, I feel like if, if anyone would have, it should have been Daffy. Should, Daffy should have been in his his custom look when he's doing the runway scene. Yeah, but I just that always bothers me. Like, I want like continuity between these things. It's like when Lost in Space came out. They had the Lost in Space toys, and they gave us Judy Robinson, the great Heather Graham. But they gave her, they gave us her. In her cryo suit, not in like her away team suit. So then, like, why is she in her cryo suit when she's going on away team missions with the rest of the away team? Because they have to, silly. they have to have like silly. extra reason for you to buy that character. Oh, yeah, yeah, but like they didn't make the away team version then. I know. I need that continuity. I need that consistency. We're, we're gonna have another chance whenever this new movie comes out. About a whole new slew of toys are coming this through. New Space Jam toys. Oh yeah, I'm there for it. Um, and then he said, uh, and yes, Cam needs. I've seen Clue. To watch slash rewatch Clue. But okay, I have been asking a lot of people about this. Okay. Okay, so uh, we'll get to it because Ashley Clark also wrote in about this. But talking to Jason, talking to Savannah, uh, talking to some other people, I kept asking people, like, what's the most famous moment in Clue? Everyone goes, flames on the side of my face. I watched this movie again last night. Fine, fine, whatever. I'll be in the wrong in this one. It's um, fine. Let's continue. <laughs> because because Ashley wrote it, uh, she was just like, like she loved the Clue references. Um, and that when I said the first one, 
ineffectually. Thank you. It's absolutely true. She, she yelled at you. It's Clue. Uh, and yeah, the gif, the flames gif gets a lot of rotations. Uh, and she was really hoping that this episode would be 75% long Halloween, which we will be getting to very, very shortly. Um, and she also very highly recommended we watch Pennyworth. I saw, yeah, I, I meant to to kind of yeah. start that this weekend. I, I want to get to it. I am still, like, doing serious catch-up. I still have not yet watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've started watching The Boys, though. Is it Boys? I've started watching The Boys, and I'm already absolutely loving it. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping maybe by next week I'll have gotten through the rest of it. Um, but, yeah, she, she says that it's been, like, edge of her seat, really, really enjoying it. So we'll, we'll have to give that a, a watch at some point. Um, but yeah, I think that takes care of, uh, notes from friends. So why don't we jump into plugs and why don't we start off with doing a, uh, a discussion of the long Halloween here? Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I think. Great. Yeah. That's fantastic. Moving Great. on. Move on. Great. Uh, no, I feel like, has anyone ever like chronicled Batman through, like if we were to make a linear timeline of the Batman mm-hmm. comics? Yeah. Uh, I feel like this would land like maybe a year or two after year one. I'm not sure if there is like a, a real solid official chronology out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I think I'm pretty sure the long Halloween is considered canon. I don't think it's considered like a, like a one-off story, but that's basically where it's usually pegged okay. is most people treat it like year two. Yes. So in my mind, I think there's there's too many villains for it to be year two. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, with with dense transformation, that obviously has to be pretty early. Yeah. Um. But yeah, having having the the kind of subplot of this whole thing, being, no, not really the subplot of the whole thing, but the the crux of it all, being this turning point where mobs have less control of the city, and the crazies. Yeah. Are are kind of taking their step in. Yeah. It's a really interesting period of time Mm -hmm. in the Batman mythology. Um, And I'm sure as you're reading it, you saw that there was a lot of pulls from this into the dark Knight, especially right. Like even that friction between the mafia and um, like the costume villains between like Maroney and Gamble and the Joker. That's all there. Um, No, I mean it, it, it's a really, it's a great idea. Yeah. Right. Like this, this new character, the serial killer coming through and uh, taking out the mafia. Like that's a great idea for a Batman story because it's such a weird, morally gray area. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this is helping Batman. It is helping the police. It is theoretically making Gotham a safer place by taking these guys out. Yes. But it's still a murderer. Still a murderer. And it, it's it's kind of that that same idea that when you take out a mob boss you're not really cleaning the city. You're just opening a new vacancy for someone else to take. Yeah. And that, that's basically what happened. Yeah. The power vacuum mm-hmm. idea. Um, possibly the, the, the artwork for me in this is so good. Mm-hmm. Tim sales work is gorgeous. Um, and what did you think about the, um, the kind of noir style narration all the way through? Like, cause I mean, that's typical in the Batman comics. Like we'll get his, kind of monologue or his like diary or whatever. Like, what did you think about that element of it? I was fine with it. I mean, Only fine I, with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it works a lot of the time. I'm just like that style of, of writing. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a huge, huge fan of. Okay. See, I, I really like it for it's, um, 
But I mean, it makes sense for Batman, though. It makes sense for Batman, and I like it for its its repetition, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's I mean, part of that is just it's newish of a comic; they're catching everybody up as they must always do. But I love the idea. It's like, oh, it's like a new holiday is coming. Like, here's the cases that happened so far. Like, you know, um, just it felt it gives it more of that noir feeling to it as well. I mean, and that's. Uh, a staple of Jeff Loeb's Batman work. I mean, the same thing he does in Hush mm-hmm. as well, which you've... I have read Hush. Okay, I can't remember what you have and have not read. Yes. But like, for me, Hush and The Long Halloween are like the two best Batman series. And I think because I love the idea of the mystery behind the whole thing is who is this person? Mm-hmm. So actually, along those lines, what is, what is your theory? Full on, I guess, Long Halloween spoilers. But what is your theory as to who Hush, or excuse me, who uh, Holiday... I know who Hush is. <laughs> Holiday, right? It's Riddler, yeah actually is um i i do think um with with the ending of it i i do believe gilda the most okay that she was first because she knew how to you know it, it was very low budget murder yeah uh, she knew how to to grind off the co numbers she knew about the, the the bottle cap yeah um the baby bottle nipple yeah um and then the the um, the dent was the rest. I think it was that split personality that he already had, mm-hmm. where he might not have remembered doing it, okay. but he was the second killer. Okay, where um, what's his face the the son? Oh, uh, Alberto. Alberto was just there for the one kill. Yeah, he he wanted. Um, or maybe it's maybe you know every kill might have been a different person, mm-hmm. and they they were all just copycats. Yeah. Um, I mean it it is fantastic the way it's written because it sets up red herrings mm-hmm. while also having payoff. You know, because sometimes a red herring will feel a little bit forced, whereas this they were all still involved in some way. Yeah, which I think is really brilliant. Yeah. Actually, no, I'm, I'm going to go with the theory that every kill was a different person. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, Alberto did one. The sister did one. Um, Gilda, you know, Harvey. Gilda did one. Harvey did one. Because there, there's what? There's... Um, I, wrote, I wrote out all the kills because I know I was going to forget. There's... Halloween. 12 total. Thanksgiving. 11 total. Christmas. New Year's. Um... Then nothing between Valen- New Year's Valentine's and Day, right? Who's I don't I didn't think anyone's because Valentine's Day was Bruce was under Poison Ivy by this point. Hang on, keep talking. I'm just gonna go grab my copy. Okay, because um, I don't think there's one between New Year's and April Fools. Because April Fools is when don't kill the Riddler. right when Riddler does not die. Then after April Fools is Mother's Day, and then Father's Day is when Alberto. No, is when um, Maroney goes to trial, right? No, no, he goes to trial on on August second, which is Falcon's birthday. Yeah, Roman holiday, right? Yeah, fuck, I lost count already. Okay, New Year's Eve, the Joker, and then we get to Valentine's oh, Day. Did they kill Valentine's Day? No, um, no, someone does die because there's an explosion. Oh, it's the the henchman. The goons are killed inside the car. Oh, well, okay, fine. Yeah, outside Maroney's place. Mm-hmm. So, it's, oh my God, it's such a good story. Yeah. Like, 
even just the way like the subtleties are woven through it, right? So, you know, the we know that the killer wears a generic brown coat. He uses a 22 caliber pistol with the serial number filed off it. He knows we know he uses a he or she uses a baby bottle nipple as a silencer, an improvised silencer. And the fact that over the course of the story, we see all these things on these places, right? So, you know, every time we go over to Gordon at his house with his wife, they have a newborn baby. Like there's a line of the baby bottle nipples like sitting on the windowsill. Yeah. Just that level of detail is so amazing and so intricate. And I think it also pretty organically interweaves a lot of characters. I mean, so who and all that we get? Oh God, I hit the microphone. Uh, who and all that we get? So we get, um, the, the two mob bosses. Falcone yeah. So Falcone and Maroni. We get Harvey Dent, Joker, Catwoman, Poison Ivy, Poison Ivy, Riddler, Riddler Solomon. Solomon Grundy. Uh, we is Mad Hatter in here? Uh, no, because there's more in the second one too. Oh, at the very end, we get Penguin shows up. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, and I think that's I think that's everyone that's in that final panel when they're all in the the office. Yeah. Because Mr. Does Mr. Freeze? No, it's in Dark Victory. You get Mr. Freeze is in there too. Oh, Scarecrow's in this last. Oh, right, yeah, so Mad Hatter's in this last picture. So the last panel is Penguin, Joker, Solomon, Mad Hatter, Poison, Scarecrow, Catwoman, and Two Face. Okay, I mean, it's a lot. That's a lot mm-hmm. of people in there. You know, and it, it still gives decent narrative time to Trisha Gordon, to Harvey Dent, to Alfred, to. Bruce and Selena, um, it's all these different things. And you can see why it would be a hard thing to adapt directly into a film because it really does require long for storytelling. Yeah. I have always wanted to see this done as a, like a mini series. I think like an HBO mini series, it could do really well. And I actually, I can see the merit in doing it in live action. I wouldn't be opposed to them doing this in animated to do like on DC universe to do an animated, maybe, like, would you do a full 12 part? Would you break it? Like, do you do a half hour for each, do you think? Um, I would do eight part hour. Okay. Uh, then, so then you can, opening one will be an hour, closing one will be an hour, and then pair up two holidays per. Okay, yeah. I think it's hour. better to kind of pair up a couple holidays throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because like, especially when you get to the middle of like, St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, they, they burn it's through no pretty quickly. Big, yeah, it's no one big, but the main part of that story is Poison Ivy's control over Bruce. Yeah. It's 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 really, really good. Um, you know, I mean, even, again, we're talking about how it, it heavily influenced the Dark Knight. I mean, one of the first promo images that came out of the Dark Knight marketing campaign was an I Believe in Harvey Dent poster mm-hmm. pulled straight from this comic. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the challenges they now have to adapting this is that some key pieces of this were done. Like the dark Knight does a really good job with the Harvey Dent origin story and it incorporates a lot of stuff from here, but they could still do the serial killer element. They could still do the holiday element of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff they could still bring in. Um, but I, I, I love this comic mm-hmm. now. I'm assuming you haven't read dark victory then, which is, is next. The, yeah, the sequel to it. Uh, no, but I put it. It's on DCAU. Okay. Inside uh, DC Universe. Yeah. Uh, so I I put it in our combined reading. Our list. combined reading list. It's it's definitely worth the read. Like it. To me, this is a masterpiece. I think Dark Victory is a 
a worthy successor to this. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's quite as good. It's hard to be quite as good. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel like a hollow imitation. It feels like a, a, a worthy continuity. And so in without giving anything away, really, in that one, it's cops are getting killed now. No more dead cops. No more dead cops. Exactly. No more dead cops. See? So like, yeah, these pieces come into play and then um, it's such a good story. Okay. I'm really glad you liked it. I'm really I glad did, you finally yeah. read it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's I, I did find, as I was browsing through Barnes & Noble the other day, uh, I don't think we've talked about this, but Paul Dini has a book that came out recently uh, called Harley and Ivy Meet Betty and Veronica. Oh my God, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I remember a promo shot of uh, like Harvey and I, uh, Harley and Ivy flirting with Archie and then Betty yes. and Veronica in the background looking super pissed yeah, off. Yeah, that's the cover. And I, I really want to read that now. Yeah. Oh, and plus it's Paul Dini. Yeah, exactly. He's, oh, he's such, I flipped through a couple a good pages. Like the, art's, the art's pretty. And then I saw the cover. It's like, oh, this is a Dini work. We got to talk about <sighs> we it. We got to talk about it. I, I mean, in Dini we trust. Exactly. Always. Um, all right. Well, I mean, outside of uh, The Long Halloween. Uh, what else have I been watching, reading, listening? I, I finally started She-Ra on Netflix. Oh, and how is it? Yeah, it, it's good. I'm, I'm only about three or four episodes in. It's very much like <clears throat> the, the Cal Arts style oozing through and through. I don't know what that means. Uh, there, there's kind of this wave of the kind of the, the quote unquote Cal Arts movement where every show has a very similar kind of art style. Think like Steven Universe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it's good. It, it's very fun. It's, it's, young but mm -hmm. still cute mm -hmm. um and it's basically an all-female cast which is pretty awesome like there's one male character okay who's who's very much the the comic relief okay um but like there there's the evil side uh where it's yeah a female leader the the female best friend and then the main characters from over there um and then the good side are all the or the what we consider the good side are all the princesses yeah, who all have magic powers. And then I think we've only seen one guy so far. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. His name is Bo. Um, but yeah, it, it's a very cute show. I'm, I'm excited to keep going with it. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what else have I been watching, reading, listening? Uh, I saw Hobbs and Shaw, but we'll, we'll save that for yeah, next we'll week. Yeah, we'll save that next week. I'll have seen it by then, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, what about you? What have you been watching, reading, listening? Uh, so, I think... Oh, wait, wait, sorry. I have, I have a YouTube channel on plug. Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, goddammit. Uh, there's a channel I found, uh, which is very much for me and me uh, and Maddie, called uh, Nerdstalgic, I think is what it's called. Okay. Uh, where it's basically they do um, video essays on just very niche um shows from from back in the day so they had one about you know what made drake and josh the best um teen live action show of the day like better than all the disney shows better than everything else on nick yeah um the creative chaos of coding kids next door was a fucking amazing i always love people talking about KND. yeah um the the success and internal failure of chalk zone which oh, is another yeah. amazing show that I didn't realize how much Nick just fucked around with that show. Really? It, it's almost on the same level as like Fox and Firefly mm -hmm. where they gave it a pilot and then sat the episode for two years and then played a couple episodes and then sat it for another couple of years 
and then for like they gave it four seasons yeah but basically those four seasons were spread across seven or eight years oh i had no idea yeah neither did i and they they gave it uh multiple death slots yeah because i forgot that nick for some reason thought having a 6 a.m slot for cartoons is a good idea because i i do remember that's where they ended up putting all the era not all that uh, all grown up at one mm-hmm. point, like the new episodes of all grown up were coming out at 6am on a Sunday. I mean, just training those kids for their future lives, having to get up way too early. Exactly. It's so like, uh, chalk zones, but there it, before that it was the nine thirty death slot. So it was the last show before Nick at night. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for some reason they just never wanted to do anything with the show hmm. while it was, probably like one of the most unique and I remember it. It was creative. Yeah. Know? And especially art artistic or like art style wise mm-hmm. where it was a full show done by chalk. Yeah. Uh, except for the main characters. It's a, it's a cool show. It's a, it's a great channel. He, he, he just started. So he only has a couple episodes, but, but those are the, the main ones. Oh, nice. Oh, uh, he has an episode on Ed, Ed, Nettie and how it's uh, like, yeah. uh, how he created such a, a cult phenomenon with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and then I love everything he's talking about so far. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'm plugging. Okay. What are you watching and listening, reading? Uh, I may have made reference to this uh, before, but one of our uh, listeners, Brian, has a YouTube channel called Beady Night Entertainment. Night obviously spelled the Dark Knight way. Mm-hmm. And uh, a little while ago, I actually joined him to be uh, a guest in one of his segments called Star Labs Confidential. And so basically we were, uh, I joined him as like a video conversation the two of us are having about uh, Superman and like who are our favorite people playing Superman, our favorite iterations of the characters. We talk across like all the cartoons, the live action movies, the TV shows and stuff. So it's a, it's a fun conversation. Go check it out. He's a, he's a really good editor too. Like he does a nice job. You know, it's, a, it's two talking heads next to each other, but then he'll cut in clips from all the things we're talking about. It's like talking about that injustice or the movies, stuff like that. And so, yeah, he does a really nice job editing it all together. So uh, definitely go, uh, go check that out. If you're not already sick of listening to me all the time, you can get even more of it. Um, Yeah. Should I plug? I was in the video too. Oh my God. Look at us. Yeah. God, we're having a moment. The Tim talk boys. Uh, I was in a Disney video. Uh, If you, if anyone follows on my Disney, uh, I was in a video, uh, Answering Disney's unanswered questions, uh, which was very bizarre. And then I was in a video uh, testing my knowledge on obscure Disney characters, and I did not do well. <laughs> How upset were you with yourself? I mean, to be fair, I did fine, but they only showed the ones I got <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's the more entertaining ones anyway. It is. Isn't it absolutely it? is. Everyone loves a gag reel. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves a mistake. Yes. Proof that you're human, Cameron. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. But you're not, though. I'm an infiltration robot. <laughs> oh, here I thought you were a figment of my imagination. No. Okay. No, you're not that creative. <laughs> that was a, I was just going to say the same thing. Further proof that I'm not that creative. Uh, yeah, so, so we're, both, we're both doing things. Yeah, both out doing stuff. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, I am nearly done uh, with a book, Thrawn. So people yeah, might the know Star Wars the one. yes, exactly. People might know the character of a uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, um, first introduced in Timothy Zahn's *Heir to the Empire* trilogy in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties, somewhere around there. I did read that trilogy of books recently, and it is really good. Um, it's a good series, but obviously, uh, it's all part of a now dubbed *Legends* canon that was mm-hmm. uh, thrown out the hatch when the new films came back. 
Also, we ever, have we ever talked about why they did that? Or one of the the kind of rumors slash like little piece of information that's come out about as to why they threw out the old cannon? Uh, I don't think so. It has to do with Chewbacca. Oh. So what I had read once, and I, I'm pretty sure this came from um, part of the Disney story group, was, you know, obviously post Return of the Jedi, books was the primary place the Star Wars universe was continuing on. Right. You know, by the time we got to the early 90s, we were getting more video games. We get things like Shadows of the Empire, which is this huge crossover event, which was kind of like their proof of concept to see if there was still an appetite for Star Wars movies, which then led to... Uh, the prequels and so on and so forth. But it was books primarily where these characters were continuing to live. And Chewie was always a really challenging character to incorporate well, into he, books. He got spider legs at one point, right? Did he? I thought there was a, a book where Chewie... Oh, no. This... You're thinking of Darth Maul? No, I'm thinking of uh, Patton Oswalt's rant oh from, from uh parks, from and, parks rec. and rec okay where he says chewy gets cut in half and gets spider legs okay totally on board with that but yeah. no this was they had a hard time with chewy in the books because he's a very visual character yes right he's not a good character to read like you can't he's difficult to write around because what do you do like write his facial descriptions you just write like like what do you do with it Mm-hmm. And so, ultimately, they decided to kill Chewie off. He got, like, a moon thrown at him or something. I don't even know what the details were. But they killed him off, kind of to save themselves the headache of having to incorporate this very beloved character in the books. And then, when it came to doing the new movies, you can't bring back the original trilogy characters and not have Chewie. I mean, he is consistently one of the most beloved characters. Like, well, we need Chewie, so probably the easy thing to do is just pretend like this stuff didn't happen. So I'm sure there are many other reasons too okay, as well, I didn't know but that. that was something I read once and where I don't We're sticking with it. I'm sticking with it. But I mean, I, I like, I like that as a theory um, because it also is one of kind of positivity, right? It's like, well, we love this character. We need him to be here. You know, let's do whatever we need to do to make it happen. Or you can look at the cynical side of it. I don't want to look at the cynical side of it. Which is, he makes a lot of money on merchandise, so we need him back. Well, then that's Because we need more Chewy backpacks. We need more Chewy t-shirts. We need more Chewy hoodies. fine. Keep bringing more Chewy. Yeah. We need him in the parks to take photos with. Yeah. More rugs. Yeah. Yeah. Wookie skin rug. Mm-hmm. 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 Did they sell that? Not officially. No. I still want that Tauntaun sleeping bag. That's a separate thing. But, um, but anyway, so Does that... it constantly smell bad? Oh, yeah. But just on the outside. But, oh, yeah. But it's worse on the inside. <laughs> my God. Uh, but, no, like, so Thrawn was... The legends were kind of written out of uh, continuity, and then they brought him back for Star Wars Rebels, which is a show that I maintain is still really, really good, and he's really well done in that. And so part of the, the new continuity started doing new novels, and I think he has a full trilogy. And so they brought back Timothy Zahn, too, the original creator of uh, Thrawn. And so it's, it's sort of his origin story, per se. It's basically how he meets the Empire and his rise through the ranks. Gotcha. Um, and it's good. He's just a really interesting uh, character, and I've been really, really enjoying it. So nice. I, I, I would highly recommend it, and I'm going to you know, keep reading the, the subsequent Thrawn novels as they come along, because I love him as a character. And if you haven't watched Rebels, go watch Rebels, because it's great, especially his seasons towards the end. Mm-hmm. So do it, everybody. Go do it. But yeah, that's, uh, that's the end of my plugs. We did it. We did it. So much for a shorter episode. I know. Well, hey, you know, we, we have aspirations. Yeah. And then we fall short. We can always. dream. We can always dream. 
but thank you for listening. Uh, if you have recommendations, as Ashley did for things to watch, like uh, go check out Pennyworth. Mm-hmm. You can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Gmail. If you want to continue sending clue hate mail to me, yes, and you uh, should stop it. No, you should keep doing it. Uh, you can find me at camdexter underscore adventures <clears throat> for my face and Cameron Dexter for art. It'll be updated someday. Someday. I think that should just be your go-to sign-off now at this point. And go check it there. There'll be art coming soon. Yeah. It'll be your version of Jimmy Kimmel's. And next week, Matt Damon. Next week, Matt Damon. Yeah. It's going to be on the podcast. It's going to be on the podcast. It's going to be great. Yeah. Worked really hard to get that connection. Yeah. I want to talk about The Martian. I love The Martian. Mm-hmm. I shamelessly love The Martian. We're going to talk about why he wasn't in the DCAU at all. Yeah. I feel like that would have really been a missed, missed opportunity. Yeah. Mm. Where can they find you? Uh, if you want to reach out to me and send your clue-related hate mail for Cameron that he refuses to acknowledge, you can find me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Send it to me, and I'll be read it out on air so he can't escape from it. Yeah. So, But uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you next week. Next week. More Zeta. More Zeta. Back to double Zeta. Bye. There's hope. <laughs>